so <laughs> we have a bit of a poop bandit situation <laughs> <laughs> at work. Um, oh to clarify, God. this was all pre-COVID. The office I worked at was a huge office building. On our floor alone, we probably had close to 200 people. <laughs> and we had two different bathrooms. So the one was a normal, uh, S- like, five S- or six stalls bathroom. Yes. And then at the, ev- the other... <laughs> At the other end of the hall was a single stall. You gotta be careful of those single stalls. You really do. The one day I come into work and everyone's kind of doing the whisper thing. And so as soon as I walk in, someone goes... (laughs) I've heard this story, so just know that Hannah's trying not to laugh right now. Someone goes, you have to check your emails. And I was like, okay, like that seems weird, but whatever. So I log into my computer and the first email that's at the top is about proper um, etiquette in a bathroom. Bathroom etiquette, one might um, say. Bear in mind, most people who work in my office are 20 years and older. Someone was bearing a lot more. <laughs> Anyways, there's an email about how, for lack of not using curse words, um... No, let's just use it. A pile of shit (laughs) was found in the trash can. (laughs) And for reference, because I sent you a picture. Send me a picture. The the trash can is probably four feet away from the toilet. So someone at first was like, well, maybe it was one of those situations where you just had to go. If you can shit in the trash can, you you certainly could have made your way over to the toilet. Yes. So I think it was a vendetta. Um, About a week later, I was at my other office location because we have two offices. And this one's a much smaller office. And this guy I work with was like, something smells off in this desk area. And so we took the trash out because the trash, we were like, it probably has food in it. It's probably been sitting there. And like, it's like two hours later and it still just smelled awful. And so he's like, pulls the trash can out. <laughs> we discovered what looked like a turd <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> and so we got the person who works at the front office and we said like, "Hey, we're concerned there might be shit on the floor." We did not say shit. Yes, excrement. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, so the cleaning people were there. They came with their gloves and took care of it. Yes. Um, God bless those people. God bless them, because honestly, they don't get paid enough money to deal with that shit. Figuratively and literally. Literally speaking. And then probably a week later, in the main bathroom, someone had gone and clogged all the toilets on purpose. Like, purposely shoved a ton of toilet paper. So, clearly someone... There's a poop bandit on the loose. (laughs) And they clearly have a vendetta against the company I work for. Yes. Um, I think on that vein, you should probably share um, the story of what you saw in a security camera one time. Oh my god, I forgot about this. This this is golden. maybe my favorite story. Okay, so in college, I worked for like a uh, a counseling, non-profit organization. I'll just leave it at that. 
And part of the volunteer thing was that you had to work a midnight shift every month. It was like midnight till 8 a.m. or something like that. And that particular night, I was sitting in our main room, which happens to have the security cameras. You can watch all the footage of the outside. And I'm watching, and normally you'll see people walk down the street. It's a busy street, so you'll see people walking down. And so nothing that strange. So this night, I'm like, you know, I'm bored, I'm, nothing's happening, and I'm looking at the camera, and I notice this guy kind of, like, stumbling. And I was like, well, he's probably been drinking. There are several bars in right. that area. And I was like, good for him for walking in. Um, anyways, so he kind of goes against the side of the building that I am sitting in, and I'm like, oh, he looks like he's about to pee or throw up. I couldn't really tell. He was kind of squatting. Takes his pants, pulls them down. And literally squats and shits I'm <laughs> on the sidewalk as I'm sitting there watching, not really believing what's happening. Who takes a shit on the sidewalk? I don't know. <laughs> Does that? Like peeing. Yeah, I, I get it. Anyways, so he takes his shit, pulls his pants back up, and just keeps on walking like nothing <laughs> happened. And I'm just sitting there like, did I dream this whole thing? So ridiculous. Oh, man. And I remember when I told you about it, you were, like, dying. Yeah, because it was ridiculous. Oh. I can't imagine just seeing someone do that on video camera. It was one of those moments where you'd have to see to believe. Like, you right. don't really think people do that. But, I mean, I did watch a man take a shit on the side of the street. Welcome to Research, Rank, and Repeat. This is Hannah. This is Alyssa. And we're going to jump right back into Pixar discussion and continue on with the next set of movies. All right, now this is where we get the big guns. Yeah. Start coming in hot. Yeah. Finding Nemo. 2003. 2003. We took a two-year break. Yeah. So Finding Nemo, again, is rated G. Its runtime is an hour and 43 minutes. And this is a huge jump. So, worldwide box office, $936 million. So, Finding Nemo has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, mm -hmm. Metacritic score of 90 out of 100, and a cinema score of A+. Okay. So, another thing to note is that Finding Nemo was nominated for the Best Animated Feature and won. Okay. It was the first Pixar movie to, to win. win Best Animated right. Feature. Okay. It was also nominated for original screenplay as well. Yes. A little summary. When young clownfish Nemo is unexpectedly captured from Australia's Great Barrier Reef and is taken to a dentist office aquarium, it is up to Marlin, his worrisome father, and Dory, a friendly but forgettable regal blue tame fish, to make the epic journey to bring him home. All these descriptions I'm getting are from Disney Plus's website. I have a question. Do you think that... I mean, obviously it's been two years since the last Pixar movie before Finding Nemo. Do you think the big jump in the box office had anything to do with Ellen being the voice of Dory? I don't know, because when we saw Finding Nemo, I can't say that I was 
at that age that, that I knew who Ellen was, or we watched her show. I you mean, know? To that, well, when did her show start? I mean, she was probably a well, you know, well known at the time, and I think her talk show probably started around then. I mean, Ellen's standing in the world right now as a whole. Well, yeah, story. That, that's also. Um, there's just such a big jump in the two years. Here's what I think. I think it really helps that it's a aquatic under the sea yeah because it's think about little mermaid little mermaid was one of the highest grossing disney movies of all time Mm -hmm. from that era the renaissance Uh, era ellen's show actually started in 2003 okay so i would not actually think that was the reason so it had just started i honestly i think it's because at this point pixar had clout pixar they, was well known yeah they had made a couple of good movies they that made had, great movies yeah. you know they had disney's had backing i also think like what you're saying about the aquatic like i think there's something so we don't know what's in the ocean a lot of times or it's 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 very unknown it's, it's like a lot mysterious of yeah and i think a lot of people really like that aspect so i can i can definitely see that being the other thing i think could contribute is this movie's format and structure feel completely different yeah, to, to the other four they that do. we've already seen a note i made is i said there's a pretty large tonal shift and like the way the story is structured yeah. because instead of majority of the movies we have set locations we have you have very set structures finding nemo is you're only spending like five to ten minutes in a place mm-hmm. at a time and at then least, you're moving and then you're moving location. to right on to the next yeah. one so it's just like um it's and it's also it's a single father and he yeah. loves his child yeah. and he just wants the best for him it's just the way the story's told i think it's just so unique to what we had seen at yeah. this point adding on my first note was actually the animation in this one just hits differently that was i said the opening shot is beautiful yeah. and they because at this point we hadn't really seen like water besides animated. the raining and bugs life right um the way they did the water, the way they do the fish, the way they... It's just something... There's just something different about it. It's kind of stunning to look at. And it's also interesting um, going into it is this is technically our first Pixar death. Yeah. With Nemo's mom and I mean, Nemo's siblings um, being eaten. And it happens in the first five minutes of the yeah. movie. It's actually really tragic. When you think about a kid's movie starting out five minutes in and having technically 400 characters if you want to count all the fish but having like a a side character like that just literally be dead at the beginning yeah it is it is like really tragic nemo is captured 15 minutes into the movie yeah and dory arrives two minutes after he's captured and somehow it doesn't feel rushed yeah because when you think about it so much happens in the first like 15 to 20 minutes it's there are periods of this movie that so much happens in such a short period of time and there's other movies where they just let it ride out and i don't know how they managed to make it flow so well it never feels like there's too much happening and i think the longest movie at this Um, point yeah it's an hour and 43 minutes yeah so it's 10 minutes longer than the last one it the thing i really appreciate about this movie is the adventure aspect of it it just flows so smoothly the adventure and the the pairing of marlin and dory yeah is something that I don't know how they came up with. It's because a really it's, smart pairing. It's a, such a strange pairing, but it works so well. Yeah. They play off of each other well, so well. the way I kind of see it is you have Marlon, who's this fear, rightfully so, because yeah, his wife was murdered. He's paranoid. He's a he's, very fearful character. And then you have Dory, who kind of 
due to her not like remembering things she doesn't really know fear yeah she she's very carefree because she doesn't have that holding her back and it's it's interesting to see how they play off each other and also what kind of things they give to each other throughout the movie dory is so likable yeah she's such a likable character she's naive but in a great way yeah you can't help but like root for her no and you also i feel like you can't help but root for marlin because it's just that like bond between father and son and like right him being so afraid him growing so much dory yeah dory brings out so much in him because like she says later like she needs him and he needs her like they need each other i also think it's interesting because i think this might have been one of the first times where you've had a character who's outwardly portrayed with mental illness yes i think so um in marlin with depression and anxiety and then paranoia it's it's because you didn't really get that there's so much we can talk about um one of the things i wanted to mention because i brought it up with a bug's life is finding nemo does a great b plot with nemo in the tank i like every single character in that tank has something to give and the setting of a dentist's office is great i love like the their heist the tank heist and everything that goes along with it is i think that's a great way to have a self-contained story in a very mm-hmm. small setting because the whole other like everything with marlin and dory it's such is a so opening it's such so many different places and then you have literally characters stuck in a tank and every character's there for a reason they and find a way to the make humor it. yeah the humor in yeah. that tank the scene where he's being initiated is mm-hmm. so funny yeah I, I would agree that I, I think this is one of the movies where they do the a and b subplot really well very very where well both subplots are equally interesting to me I also, the one other main thing I really wanted to point out is the evolution of certain characters. Yes. Um, I really like how they portray someone in Marlin who's, you know, controlled by their fear. Yes. For good reason. And he has to learn to let go. Yeah. And also, like, Nemo watches his dad his whole life be controlled by fear, and he, like, so desperately wants to not be like that. Right. That he basically gets himself in trouble because and, he's trying to be not what his dad was and again we forgot to mention nemo has a disability as well oh, yeah and dory learning how to to count on other people yeah, and how and, to be like part of a family right obviously they make finding dory they they go into her more but right but as the, like a side character i feel like they give good development even i mean you even get good development with gill Yes, you get good development with Gil. You learn about his past. Like, he also, Nemo relates to him because he also has, not like a disability, right. but he has like a giant scar from, from trying to escape. And I just think it's interesting how they're able to develop a lot of these side characters so well. So, I kept a running list. I may have missed, I may have missed one here or there, but Dory calls Nemo a different name almost every time she refers yeah. to him. Mm-hmm. She calls him Chico, Fabio. Bingo, Harpo, and Elmo, and he's also known as Sharkbait. Right. So he may be the character with the most names yeah. in a Pixar movie. Yeah. I also really like all the side characters they come across, Marlin and Dory, and like the sharks, and uh, the turtles, Squirt, Crush. and Crush. Like, and, I really yeah. think that they make such compelling side characters. Um, also point out that the group of fish is played by john ratzenberger yeah so the ones who are giving dory and marlin instructions yes to go over not through the trench and then they go through the jellyfish Uh, and that actually leads right into something i want to talk about where 
actions have consequences in this movie where marlin is manipulating dory and then she ends up getting stung and injured by these jellyfish and he feels incredibly guilty so much so that when they're in the whale he lets go because Because he has to learn last time i didn't trust dory this is what happened he learns to be able to trust other people right Trying to see if there's anything else I want to talk about before we get into characters and scenes. Um, so technically, there is a short chase near the end of the movie where mm-hmm. Nigel has them in his mouth and he's being yeah. chased by the seagulls. This is the first movie where it does not happen like at the end of the movie. The other thing I wanted to note is that I think they stepped up music design oh, for sure. and sound design yeah. in this movie because the score is done so well. Yeah. I just think, though, I guess the last note I wanted to say is I just feel like Finding Nemo is such a heartwarming movie. It is. Because it's all about, like, family and acceptance. It, it, it is. And they, it's it's a movie that's done so well in so many aspects. And coming up on, like, fa- I had such a hard time picking a favorite character because I feel I did like too. They, they did the characters so well. It was one of the times where, like, when I thought of a list of favorite characters, like, some of the first ones that came to my head were side characters. I, I did as and well. And I think that yeah. might be a testament to the writers just writing such strong side characters. Um, I ended up actually not going with a main character. Okay. Um, I feel like I could have easily picked any of the three main characters, mm-hmm. but I actually ended up going with Gil. Okay. That was a strong contender. Okay. For me, personally, I think Gil brings a lot to the movie um, he does he's a big part of the why the subplot works so well nemo's never had like a mentor like that who's kind of more fearless and he's, he's so driven yeah he's just like he'll do whatever it takes to accomplish his goal even yeah even if it means hurting nemo and once that you know almost happens yeah. then he comes to this you can see it in his face like yeah. this realization i like, actually I've wrote gone down too far. it might be one of my favorite lines um gil's talking to nemo and he said I was so ready to get out there, so ready to taste the ocean. I was willing to put you in harm's way to get there. Nothing should be worth that. Right, yeah. And I think it's, like, such a, a eye-opening moment for him where he's, he's so like, blinded by his dra- drive to be right, free. Right, he doesn't that he, even realize the, what right. he's doing to other people. I agree. I think he's probably, so far, the best done side character. Yeah. I ended up going with Dory okay. because I, I think what you said was right earlier where, like, we had not seen... The fact that there's such a a great character who has a mental disability, who is so likable, who's so funny, Mm -hmm. and she's also so vulnerable. Yeah. She's so vulnerable. And I I like that she can be that open and that vulnerable and still and be so free and yeah. so like i don't know i just think I, she's a really well i think going character. off of that really quick um one of the things i do like is they allow the male characters to be vulnerable as well yes marlin yeah Marlin's a, probably the marlin, most like I mean, sensitive even, like, Gil. yeah like they allow them to have these moments where you don't see a lot of masculine vulnerability right and and like sensitivity yeah and, and i think it's know, good yeah. for kids to see that because it's like teaches you that like you know that's always like oh boys shouldn't cry blah, right while they shouldn't express their feelings but i feel like it's a good thing to see like men male figures in these movies portraying emotions and like also that. showing their insecurities yeah. and yeah i think it's yeah. good so favorite scene this was probably the hardest yeah for me was to pick a specific scene I want to say visually, my favorite scene is when they're going to school. Yes. When they're they're going through the through coral the whole, reef. Like different. Visually, yeah. that's my favorite scene. But I, for like the actual like scene fully, I picked inside the whale. Okay. When they're inside the whale, because you see Marlin give up. Right. And Dory is telling him she needs him. You know he 
shouldn't give up they'll be okay and then he learns to trust her yeah it's a it's a different a definite like shift between their relationship right he's finally learning to trust to trust her and rely on her and in in return i think she she feels like she's contributing more she's being listened to and being heard so in terms of favorite scene i think it was actually the one that i talked about with gil and nemo like yeah. them having a discussion but i also think one of my favorite lines more of a comedic is, oh my gosh uh, nemo's swimming out to sea my favorite funny line is also from around that scene and it's when the man goes there's nothing to see yeah <laughs> it's like over here kids yeah over also here. we didn't even talk about him he's such a good side character. he's too. a great side character yeah. too we could go on and on but i just love the the timing of the way he says that yeah. my favorite serious line though is after he's seen nemo dead yeah or believed to be dead and you know dory's trying to convince him that she needs him and she just the, the two the back and forth Right at the end, she says, I don't want to forget. And and Marlon yeah. says, I'm sorry, but I do. And yeah. I was just like, I was like, I hate it. Yeah, that's because it shows oh. the the conflicting, like, emotions where they're at because, at that point. Yeah, because basically he's lost his, at this point, he's, he's lost, lost his like, wife. Everything. He's lost those children. He's lost his son. He has yeah. nothing left. And all he wants to do is just forget and move on. Yeah. And Dory's like, I can't move on because I want to remember. And it's like the first time she's remembered. And she's like, with you, I can remember yeah. things and I can, you know, I'm not lost. Yeah, I thought it was just really well done. Yeah. And, like, it hit. It punched. I would agree. Punched me right in the throat right in the heart throat punch <laughs> throat punch and a heart kick. um all right um, and now we're hit with another big just, just big good... gun back to back yeah two years in a row we go to the incredibles yeah released so, in 2004 the next year so the incredibles is the first pixar movie to be rated pg i wonder why Maybe it's the suicide jumper. Maybe it's the violence. Maybe it's uh, Mrs. Incredible and her her body proportions. And her spandex (laughs) suit. It could be all those things. But the runtime is an hour and 55 minutes, which again is now the longest running Pixar movie Mm -hmm. to this date. Yes. Um, So in terms of money-wise, Incredible is actually... Let me double check, because I think it actually took a jump down. It did on the one I'm looking at. Yeah, it was $631 million worldwide. It made less than Monsters, Inc. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. So, The Incredibles has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. It has the same scores Finding Nemo, 90 out of 100 on Metacritic, and also has an A-plus rating. So, that is so interesting to me, that The Incredibles like took a i mean still made a lot of money but mm-hmm. took a dip it in, did in terms Which of is, that's why i'm still revenue. so perplexed with finding uh, how it did so well how it just had such yeah. a huge jump um, it, it might have just been like the perfect storm yeah maybe because i remember it being huge yeah when we were and i kid, mean i think it you we would kids. have to look at what else came out around that time and all everything like right. that um, little summary. As Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl, Bob and his wife Helen were among the world's greatest crime fighters, but 15 years after their glory days, they have forced, been forced to adopt civilian identities and live normal lives with their three kids. Itching to get back into action, they get their chance when a mysterious communication summons Bob to a remote island. So, just a comment I want to make is I think this is the first Pixar movie that is an adult movie that is placed into animation. 
Yes. Because I think it is not catering to children. It's just using the animation medium to yes. tell the story. I would agree. My first note about the movie is just, this is Pixar at its best. My first note, I just said, I'm just excited to be watching this in yeah. general. And I, the first thing you see is them doing all these interviews. And I was like, it's actually a really compelling introduction. It's very interesting. And also, it's the first Pixar movie that is entirely about humans. Yeah. Because previously, they didn't like to do human because they couldn't do the animation justice. Right. Because it was just so hard to do faces. Yeah, and I read somewhere that they actually used, um, there's a book, these medical books called Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. Um, not the TV show, obviously. No, the TV show. <laughs> but they use the books as examples for how to design the humans, like how to make them look human yes. and everything like that. Just from the start, I want to give a special shout out to the orchestrator and director oh, yeah. of the music, Michael Giancino, Giancino, Giancarlo. I can't pronounce last names if that's not clear, but basically he did the music for Lost. Okay. He will do continue to do more work for Pixar, and I will discuss him. He's done so many iconic themes, mm-hmm. but the music of The Incredibles is by far the best soundtrack we've heard. Yes, for by sure. By far, the way they use the music and the light motifs and when I get to my favorite scene, the way they use the music in the scene, it's just the, as a whole. Yeah. It's such a great use of, of using the music to enhance the movie. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's something just so iconic about The Incredibles in, in the soundtrack and the score of it. And, like, when I think of really good, like, Pixar or Disney scored movies, I always think about The Incredibles. I will say, I can't say it's, if it's my favorite, but it is. But it's up there. It's up it's there. definitely up there. So, let's just say Elastigirl's a feminist icon. Oh, yeah. I said she's uh, all about female empowerment. First of all, we'll get on to Mrs. Mrs. Incredible later on, but I would, I do want to talk about her as a character, just the way she sees the world and deals with it yeah. because I think the contrast between her and Mr. Bob and her yeah. is is very interesting. Mm-hmm. But we start off this movie with them in the past. Yes. And you, you've got a suicide jumper yeah. that's rescued. You've got a guy trying to bomb a bank. Yeah. You've got Mr. Incredible's stalker. Uh, what's his name? Buddy. Buddy, yeah. His sidekick. There's so much going on that, like, this itself could just be the story. Yeah. You could just tell them at, like, the heyday and the height yeah. of these heroes. And it's just, it's strictly just introduction. It's just yeah. to introduce you to the world and the story. Yeah, I mean, you basically have all this leading up to a wedding. Right. D- between Bob and Helen's wedding. And, and they fl- allude to it multiple times. They allude to it, and there's such a flirtatious nature between them, yeah. like, pretending they don't know each other, right. or, you know, necessarily. But, yeah, I agree with you, that introduction, and there's just so much packed in there. But it's also, like, I would agree, it's like Finding Nemo, where it doesn't feel rushed. Getting back to Elastigirl, this, we talked about this earlier, this is, like, one of the first times where they actually had, like, a lead female yes. um, character... I guess if you, the way you were looking at the story structure, Mr. Incredible is, like, the lead. Right. She's also a lead, but following him. Then we transition to the reason the superheroes have to go into hiding is because they Mm -hmm. keep getting sued. Yeah. Which is such a 
I love it. It's such a great concept, yeah. but it's so foreign. The suicide jumper didn't want to be saved. Yeah. Because he's sustained injuries, you know, he's Mr. now suing. He's now suing him. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of shows, a lot of superhero shows, superhero movies, they never focus on the people who get affected negatively by superheroes. Mm-hmm. So the next thing I want to talk about is they did such a great job characterizing the children. Okay. You're like reading my mind because that was what I was going to get into. Um, <laughs> yeah. I normally find children in movies to be annoying i do too at some point and i think with dash and with violet with jack jack he's not like in it a ton in this i was gonna movie. say he's kind of just present. but i think like they did such a good job of making them kids still making you feel like you're watching kids or teenagers but right. also like making them such compelling characters and also the fact that their characters characterizations are associated with their powers yeah you know like yep. violet feels invisible right you know and it, she like, has invisible powers and dash is you know he uses it for mischief and he yeah. wants to stand out and he wants to be good right. and a scene or a thing that i thought was really interesting is there's a part where she's talking i believe it's either to dash or to violet or both of them and she's just like, everyone is special. And then one of them, I didn't write down which one, says another way of saying no one is. Yeah, and was, that yeah. correlates later to where Syndrome is like, if everyone's super, no one is. Yeah. And I caught that and I'm like, oh, look at yeah. that catch. Um, one thing I did that up. notice, um, I thought it was interesting how the last movie was Finding Nemo is all about like fears and sheltering children. Right. And this movie is all about like fearless people empowering their children. Empowering their children. To be like great people right great and super to grow into themselves to be fair they mainly have superpowers but right. also like it's just interesting to see that shift oh my god that the super fight at the kitchen table yeah is so I funny love the fact that she's just running around slapping her like in yeah. a circle and then she like yeah and then uh frozone knocks on the door and they're all just like <laughs> look yeah. normal i love that aspect and i love that bob is so obsessed with his glory days yeah he can't get away from that yeah I think because he's stuck in a office job that he hates 40 hours a week, like just feeling like he's in such a rut and such a routine of doing the same thing every day, which I think a lot of people can relate with that. Uh, yes. Um, but I think he just feels so stuck and trapped in that aspect and he also doesn't feel like he's accomplishing. I mean, his job essentially is to deny people rights to do yeah. things. And you and, see him yeah. with the old lady, you see him like helping people. Like he's always wanted yeah. to help people. And so he's trying to find ways to do it. Oh, yeah, that hit that hit really hard for right now where when he's talking to him about how he's like somehow all of your customers know every loophole right. to get through the system and he's like I thought we were supposed to help people and he says we're supposed to help our people, our people and I yeah. was like that is very that fitting. feels really relevant um, right now. Also, I would like to point out that the boss should have died. He got thrown through <laughs> four walls somehow. Somehow four he walls. survived. Is Frozone the first person of color in a Pixar movie? Do we know? Um, I was trying to think if there's at least anyone who's spoken a hu like a spoken. Yeah, I mean, it, they potentially could have had like background people, but in, at like, least Toy as Story, a but... as a a featured character, yeah. like named voiced yes. character. Okay, yeah. which I thought and Samuel Jackson, great choice. Yeah, I like that they he goes along with what Bob wants to do because you know they're yeah. friends but he's like we don't need to be doing but this but he also like wants he just wants to be like have the normal life like he's right. trying to he's not necessarily so fixated with reliving his glory days. but he's he even, trying to be supportive yeah he even says that he says for once i just wish we would do what our wives thought, thought we, were we were doing, doing. 
Like going bowling. And my favorite part of that scene when they accidentally break into the jewelry store by going through the brick wall yeah. is the police officers run in and you hear someone yell, police officers. Yeah, I literally noticed that. He goes, instead of saying police, they say police, police officer. How, how did they get away with so being, like having so much like sex appeal in this movie? I don't know. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot of it. Nods to it. Like, there's a part where Mrs. Incredible is is checking out her own ass in a mirror. And she's like, you know, she's like, oh. Yeah. And I'm like, she crushes somebody with her ass (laughs) in a door. And I'm like, how did this get past, like, Pixar's censors? Is this why it's rated PG? Maybe. One other thing. Oh, so, just pointing out, um, because we're keeping track of when John Ratzenberg shows up. He yes. is, he doesn't appear until the end. He's the underminer. The underminer. Who is technically, well, not really even the villain for the next movie, but who is set up to be, like, the villain the for villain. the next sequel. So yes. he briefly appears. Makes just a to, brief just appearance. Just out there. We also need to talk about the greatness that is Edna Mode. Oh, my God. Voiced by director Brad Bird. He plays her. She is amazing. Yeah, she's She's one of those side characters where you just, like, if she wasn't in the movie, you feel like the movie's missing out. She's so animated yeah. and, like, overdramatic, and I just, like, she's such, like, she's such a small role, but she's so great. And she brings so much in the movie. Yeah. She adds so much. What I love about Mrs. Incredible is she doesn't need to be a superhero. Yeah. She had that life. She lived it. She's, you know, thankful for it, but she doesn't need she doesn't need that, but she steps up when yeah. she has to. And yeah. that's what I think makes her great is because she doesn't, like, previous to going to find Bob and, you know, being struck by missiles on a plane, yeah. she's like, I don't need to be out doing this. Right. That's not something that's important like her to her family is enough for right. her. But once she's put in the position, she's immediately switched she's on ready. and she's right in and, yeah. and ha- I mean, like, nothing's she, changed. I like that she gets her, I mean, she basically, like, just destroys oh, everyone. Yeah. She takes out tons of people. Um also like I like that the kids get to you get to see them experimenting and developing yes. their powers. You get to see Violet a lot struggling. Well, I like that like she's so hard on Violet in that scene because it's so tense because she's like, You need well, to make a force field now. And she clearly Violet has no experience yeah. because like that's not something that And she I think can her fear do. uh Helen's fear like yeah. causes her to like oh, lash out. But for she sure. she does apologize. She later does on. apologize. Like, I shouldn't she's like, have been so hard on you. Yeah. It's such an intense situation, you know, she has to save her kids. She's gotta find her cheating husband. Yeah. <laughs> she's gotta investigate this base, you know, yeah. plane's gotten blown up. Also she casually knows how to fly a plane. Yeah. No issues. Yeah, you know. I, I think that um one of the things I like is when they all get to the island. Like, oh they just God. do action sequences so well in this movie. Well, I like because everybody gets a chance to shine. Yeah. Then there's, we also get um, the a chase sequence. This, again, is not at the end of the movie. It's more, like, Dash being chased. Yeah. But he's, like, running across water. He's running through the jungle. That is actually the first scene I saw of this movie. Okay. Before it came out. Okay. Because you're... You may remember when uh, smart boards became a thing. Yes. I worked for uh, my elementary school library. And, and by ki- work, she means it was child labor. It was child labor. We filmed our own school productions. Like, we had a switchboard. We ran cameras. We ran, had a couple different angles. And after one of those performances, um, the, our tech guy who worked in the elementary school, he, we had just, like, gotten the smart board. So he was showing us it. And he's, like, here. And it was, it included a clip okay. of The Incredibles. And it was that dash running that's scene. Interesting. So that's, like, 
probably the scene I think of probably the most. Yeah. Yeah, just, like, I love Syndrome. Yeah. He's a well-done villain. He's so vengeful and spiteful Mm -hmm. because he was rejected that he's, like, I just need to be the only one who can be great because everyone else wronged me. Well, and I think you get a good background on him. You get his introduction, like, what, 20 years, 15, 20 years prior, and seeing him as a kid, he, all he wants is to be a hero. And then you get, like, recognized. And then he literally murders every single superhero. I know, can we talk about that? It's crazy that he just, he basically has Mirage scouting out people who are supers, just trying to find them in in their hidden lives, bring them to this island to, like, like, like Mr. Incredible, a lot of them probably miss doing hero work, want to relive their glory days. And he's trying to essentially upgrade his, um, creation. Right, to be the most superior out of all of them. And his end goal, ultimately, you see, is he's trying to bring that to the the world and become the hero. Like, he's basically making his own disaster that he only he can fix right although he messes it, up yeah it and does then, not work out and him. then we get a great second action sequence in the city yeah and then he also ends up literally getting shredded yep he wore a cape by a plane shouldn't have dying. had the cape there's there's so much we could talk yeah. about with this movie um, but it's got great action they yeah. did action scenes super well music Music is amazing. The characters are really well developed. The characters are great. Um, I one last thing I just uh wanted to point out. Okay. Um, one of the things I really liked is when there, there's a parallel where uh, Mr. Incredible for the first time sees all the superheroes who have died. Yes. And it's going through and it's saying like, missing to see. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and terminated. I think they use. And it at is the same terminated. time, you get a clip of Helen calling Bob's office, yes. trying to figure out where her husband is. I, it's a really good parallel that, to me. Well, that is my pick for the best scene Oh, in really? The movie. Okay. Yes. Because the music. Yeah. The reason why that scene is amazing is the buildup. Because you basically get Bob, and he's, like, evaded death. Yeah. He's snuck into this thing. He's given Kronos, like, from... Uh, gazer beam yeah. i think or phaser beam whatever the gazer, gazer beam i think beam. it's one or the other yeah. he's given him a password so he goes in and he's just seeing everyone he knows is dead yeah every single person and you've got mrs incredible yeah on the other side learning about her husband's infidelity She's basically finding out that well her apo- apparent you know the suspected she infidelity. thinks he's cheating and she he's been lying right. to her regardless. and there's just this this build up yeah. of like watching it just every single person he knows watching them terminated terminated terminating that scene i think just the way it's built is such a solid scene yeah i would agree um so that that was my favorite scene i think my other favorite scene is the end with the track Race. Yes, I um, as a humor, I I love really, it. It's really good humor. Basically, like second, Dash, second trying to yeah. he wants to. They want him to compete, but they also don't want him to use his powers as a as a yes a way to cheat. Basically, right. they want. So him... he's trying to like he's like way in the back, and they're like, no, 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 go go for third or second. Yeah. And the guy next to the family just watching, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, this they're is like insane. they're like, don't go so slow. They're like, wait, wait, wait no, but yeah, not that's first, funny. Not um, yeah, I think all of my favorite lines have to do with Helen or sorry, Honey. Yes. Who is actually the name of Frozone's wife. Yes. Used to think it was a nickname. It turns out her name's actually Honey. So, my, I think the best quote is, where's my super suit? Yeah. And then, 
I am the greatest good you are ever going yeah. to get. Yeah. It's for the greater good. Yeah. He said, the greater yeah. good, I'm your wife. I'm the greatest good, good you're, you're ever going to get. It could have just been a throwaway. But it, it, you know. It's one of the best scenes in the movie It's as well. one of the most quoted yeah. scenes in the movie. It's just. Um, the only other line I really like, well, there's a lot I really like, but the one I liked is, um, you sly dog, you got me monologuing. <laughs> Um, I think we probably both have the same favorite character. I think so, just from um, the way we've talked Alaska about her. Girl. Yeah, Mrs. Incredible, Elastigirl. She has a lot to offer to it's the movie. Just, she's just such a strong character. Yeah. And we talk, We already talked quite a bit about her, but... Um, yes. Yeah. All right. All right. Now, okay. we, take a, we have to um, take a little detour down let's just, Route... Let's si- get into it, and then I'm just going to say something. we got to take a little detour down Route 66 yep. in the year 2006. The Land of Cars. The Land of Cars. Now, Cars was rated G, and it is still to this date, I believe, the longest-running Pixar movie, coming in at an hour and 57 minutes. Yep. It grossed $461 million in worldwide box office. Okay. So Cars is has a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 73 out of 100 on Metacritic, and it has an A Cinema Score rating. Yeah. Um, little summary. Race car Lightning McQueen is living in the fast lane until he hits a detour and gets stranded in Radiator Springs, a forgotten town on Route 66. There he meets a heap of hilarious characters who help him discover there's more to life, there's more to life than fame. I would just like to start out by saying when I was younger, I was obsessed with Cars. Hannah was obsessed with Cars. I mean, I probably watched it, I don't know how many times. I would say, would you say that was your favorite Pixar movie for a a period of time? I mean, Incredibles was, but when Cars came out, yeah, it was my number one for a little bit of time. Okay. Um, I now find myself wondering why that was ever the case. I think what it is, is children like things that are bright that are shiny yeah they like vehicles yeah and cars sells merchandise first thing i noticed oh wow oh wow owen wilson as a car all i can hear is owen wilson saying wow so my first thought was that cars has the longest runtime so far so maybe that's why it sucks (laughs) that's literally what i wrote down cars my quote was like an hour too long i think it was ridiculous I mean, we don't want to do too, like, Cars, we can be give our opinion, because yeah. it's, it's, there's a lot wrong with Cars. Yeah. Cars did not need to be as long as no. it was. The fact that it is, if not the longest car, like, the longest Pixar movie ever, but at least at this point. It was. It did not need to be this long. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, because I think the intro to Cars is really good. It is. The first five minutes, I think, is maybe the one, of, one the of the best, best intros. intros. It's really captivating. It's got a good song to go along with it. Yeah. I said, I was surprised. I was like, you know, it's actually pretty good. But yeah. But you know what's not good? Kachow. Yeah. How is Kachow a- Kanow. Kanow. <laughs> what are you saying? It's I just, ca- I just stopped. Were you trying, trying to, make to make a, a pun? Were you trying to make a pun? Trying to make a pun. It didn't work. Kanow. Kanow. Kachow is a, a terrible- catchphrase and we yet again go back to the trope of an asshole learning to be better yeah but to be honest lightning mcqueen is really the entire movie i think i don't think he really learns a lot until like the last five minutes lightning mcqueen changes five minutes before he leaves the town and then we're expected to believe that that he's he's different yeah one thing i would point out at the beginning of the um 
the race, the opening scene, mm-hmm. I did like how the crowd was just a bunch of cars. Yes. Um, and how they did the wave with their headlights since yes. they don't have arms. It also reminded me that our brother hates the wave at sporting events because he said the people's arms look like tiny worms. Coming out. Yeah, tiny or worms coming out something. of holes. I don't know. Um, I will say, the one thing, again, when I was talking about children love colors, the coloring is very good in this movie. Yeah, it is. The colors are very pop. It's they very stand appealing. Out. We've got, you know, Lightning McQueen's this bright red yeah. racing car. We cars get... did give us the best version of Life is a Highway. I made sure, and it was... Rascal Flats recorded that. Rascal Flats recorded it specifically for the movie. Exactly. They gave us that. Um, I said any movie with Life is a Highway is just better, in my opinion. Yes. Is it? um, Would you say that Cars is kind of like Talladega Nights, but for children? I kind of got that because the part he's driving backwards at one point, like it it is very reminiscent. Um, Because I think Talladega Nights came out before that. So Talladega Nights also came out in 2006. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, that is interesting. So I, I was like, it feels like, because NASCAR was like, must have been big It must have been big because they made... I guess. I don't want to go in just saying everything that's wrong with this movie, but it's boring. <laughs> it is boring. It's a boring movie. It is boring. This is what I will say. The movie suffers from a lack of developed side characters. It suffers, unlike... Finding Nemo, where you have a, a cast that is in a self-contained area that are all interesting and unique, mm-hmm. this movie takes that and just basically gives each car a common basic denominator. That's them. And, and they're that's, kind of in a trope. Like, and that's all... all you get. Like, you have the hippie van. Yeah. You have the militant jeep. You, you have, have like, the... the... The Italian Latin. sports car. And then you have the Latin, like, body paint ca- car. It's just... Yeah, it's... They're very, like... I don't, I don't want to say... has too. one interesting character. I would say two. I'm gonna... St- I think there's okay. one interesting character um, in this movie. I would like to point out that Sally has a tramp stamp. Sally has a tramp stamp. I, a lot of the jokes just really fell flat for me. It's... I just, like... I don't care about the town. They don't make me care about yeah. it. This is an instance where their show don't tell does not work. Yeah, they try to do a montage where they basically um, show how Radiator Springs went from this really popular, like, touristy place to then they built a highway and it became, like, non-existent because people stopped taking the side roads. And it just, it doesn't make me feel... I didn't get I don't anything know. out I of that. I just didn't feel much. Um, the th- I think the thing is it's because they picked a song that wasn't right for the scene and they also didn't really it's hard to show emotion with cars you know so it just like didn't work and i didn't care the problem was i already didn't care about the town so them trying to make me sympathetic towards it yeah it's just like the small town story didn't work we didn't need it to be as long as it as it need to be like it felt like there's so much filler the only scene i really did enjoy is um, at the end, lightning, like, fixes up the road, and they turn on the lights at once. Yeah, like, I... It was just appealing to me, but that was pretty much it. But um, he, my least favorite part is he just decides all at once in about two minutes to get everything everyone in the town has in a span of about two minutes. He looks great. He gets this yeah. great new paint job, he gets new wheels, and they immediately take it away. Yeah. They're like, all right, well, here's this new look he had. Oh, sorry. It's just He's, for a show. It's just, just yeah. immediately go back to his um, old look. I don't really want to talk about this movie much more. The only story I cared about is Doc. Yeah, I would agree. As the side story. Um, I only 
I didn't care about anyone else. I was going to say, we don't need to go um, anymore into this. John Rotzenberger yep. in this movie plays the truck. Um, oh, the other thing I forgot to mention is um, Mater sucks. Mater is maybe my least favorite side character in any Pixar movie. Do you know how not excited I am to get to Cars 2? Yeah, we because are getting Cars 2. it's all about Mater. Yeah. Matering me want to vomit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't think we need any more negativity. I think we're just ready to move okay. on. Uh, best character for me was Doc. Yeah, I Doc would agree. Hudson. Doc has the best character. Uh, Sally, to me, I just like because she's... Sally's likable just because she's Bonnie Hunt. That's yeah, the only reason honestly, she's likable. Yeah. Um, I would say Doc has the best story. He actually has like some sort of like... Oh, he was this great right. race car, and then he got in an accident, right. and exactly, and everything like that. The only line that I actually liked, <laughs> I have one line. It says, "Cars didn't drive on it to make great time; they drove to have a great time." Yeah, I went with a comedy line when he's hooked up to the machine, and the visitors are coming through. Oh yeah, and he's, he's like, "I'm in hillbilly hell; my IQ's dropping by the second. Yeah. It's just, it it just has a lot of issues, this movie, to me, and it, it really suffers from a lack of... It suffers a lot. ...character development. It also brings us planes. Yeah. Although not Pixar... Which we don't have to watch. ...full length. We don't have to watch. Amazing. We already talked about the best scene. I think it's the opening. I yeah. think it's the best scene in the movie. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I don't all really right, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> all right, now we get to go back to... A Great movie. Good stuff with... Uh, Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Released in 2007. Yep. It has a G rating and a runtime of an hour and 51 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it was a $623 million worldwide at the box office. So Ratatouille has a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, mm -hmm. a 96 out of 100 on Metacritic, and a cinema score of A. Yep. Little summary. In one of Paris's finest restaurants, Remy, a determined young rat, dreams of becoming a renowned French chef, setting off this hilarious chain of events. All right, I could talk about this movie forever. Yeah. There are so many things done right and done well. What was your first thought? My first thought was that as much as I like it, the intro is a bit weird. The way they start the movie. Yeah. I The fact that it's like a freeze frame and it's like, you're wondering how I got in this yeah, situation. It is, it is strange. Um, I was like, I feel like it could be better. They could have done it better. They could have done it better. My first thought was this is the first time I've ever thought a rat was cute. Remy is cute. He's a cute little rat. And, and his little rat feet. I did a little research. Okay. Ratatouille actually led to an increase in pet rat sales. I'm not surprised. After the movie came out. There was a 50% yep. increase in pet rat sales. That doesn't so... surprise me. Oh, I also had something about uh, the cars had the chase scene where the police officer's chasing yes. uh, him. But it's also like at the beginning of the movie. So and I guess you could say racing's a chase. But yeah. who cares? Going back to Ratatouille, this movie just always makes me want to eat food. Oh my god. I have read a lot about this. The The way they do the scenes is, like, accurate. And the sound design. Yeah. I did look... Oh, so they had this guy named Thomas Keller, who's a okay. professional chef. They hired him as, like, a consultant. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, because if you notice, like, kitchen sequences, like, they keep the counters clear. Like, yep. they do things that you're supposed to do Pulling in a professional your, kitchen. Yeah, pull your right? arms in to avoid So I do like dirty. that they took the effort to, like, pay attention to those sort of details. Yeah, I think that's important. I liked the way they used a visual representation, like, representation of taste. Mm -hmm. I really liked the way they did that, yeah. where it's, like, you can picture these flavors you can like almost smell what they're smelling just based off right. of it i also just really like the the landscape the landscape like is great the, his apartment and, looking um, over michael uh g and 
God, I cannot pronounce his name. Gian, Giancino. I'll figure it out by the next next uh, we apologize. episode. I'm sorry I'm butchering it. I'm sorry if I'm offending you. But Aki did the, the score for Ratatouille. And it yes. is, again, done so well. Mm-hmm. The The leitmotifs in this movie are that little theme, you know? That like... Yeah. That part... There's a couple times when it comes back in, but I like, I like they go back to the tiny items. Yes. Like with uh, A Bug's Life, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the Toy Story where they have those little tiny houseboats and they're able to use yeah. equipment. I like Remy having this like imaginary representation right. of Gusto that's yeah. like helping him and leading it's him. It's sort of like his fairy godmother, they're like guardian. Yeah, you know what like I mean? his like guardian fairy godmother where it's, it's this famous chef and he's just imagining him as like someone to talk to because he yeah. feels you know he loves his family but he just feels so outcast yeah. and he doesn't fit in and he's like i and, just want to live my dream yeah and he also has a father who doesn't understand doesn't support who him. doesn't really understand or doesn't support what he wants to do i also really like the different character like conflict dynamic in this yes um so like one hand you have remy and his father we talked about not understanding his passion and then you have linguini who's never really had success um and also doesn't have you know any support system and then you also have remy and the relationship with linguini and how they both want the same thing they just can't do it without the other right and then you also have like colette right and linguini and i like one of the things i really liked was when Linguini shows up, the kitchen staff is on his side, like, immediately. Yeah. They're like, we hired him, like, he's, you know, like... Granted, they so- said they'll make him, like, a dish boy, but, yeah, but also, I mean, like, like they're, they're, they're rooting for him. They know his mom, and they support yeah. him, but, like, it's so interesting to see a character in Linguini, because he's yeah. so awkward and unsure, and, like... He's not your typical... And he um, lacks confidence, and it's He's like, not your typical main character. No, and I like that, like, seeing him coming to terms with his past, with mm-hmm. his future, and dealing with it, I think is really well done. I also like the, um, one thing I really enjoy about this movie is movies tend to do this thing where they, especially movies for kids, where they, like, the endings don't sometimes make sense because it right. just it wouldn't add up. And they add like at the end how they don't have Linguini being a head chef. They right. have him like being the server, being out like and talking with the people because that's what he's because good they at. understand that he's not really a chef. Like right. at the end of the day, it was it was Remy who was the chef the whole time. So I do like that. I do like that it's not. Um, and also he he shouldn't be in charge. He doesn't have really a lot oh, of leadership potential. No, he, doesn't he doesn't have any experience. So I like that Colette kind of becomes the person in charge becomes his mentor becomes you know someone he can look up to and learn from and i like i like because he's so like lacks so much confidence and is so like insecure and awkward that he's immediately willing to like let remy yeah cook for him because he knows on board yeah uh he says i love little rat feet at one point, and yeah. I just liked him talking about There's also rap some feet. really good, like, humor. Like, there's a point when Linguini says, he goes, I have a, a tiny little, he's trying a, to a say tiny rat, little, yeah, and sh- Colette immediately looks down to his crotch. Looks down. <laughs> uh, there is the chef that keeps finding uh, Remy and him talking, and then, like, yes. will go around a corner and look back, and he's gone. He, like, thinks he's going crazy. Opens the freezer. I, I love that. Like, the humor is done so well. Yeah. Like, the little montage of them learning to cook is right. great. Like, the one where he throws the omelet and the pan out the window, and he goes to take oh, out the yeah. blinds full room. He's just like, don't yeah. look. I, like I said, I really like the detail to, like, the actual kitchen sequences. Um, the, 
the sequences where they're making the food is just like so satisfying it is um, especially the last one where they're making the ratatouille there's just something so satisfying about it yeah and um, i love i love that the villain is a food critic yeah i think that's one of the the best done things and he's like lives in a coffin like yeah, his, his like house very, is shaped like, like a coffin he's super dark and he's like yeah. jaded i mean we'll we'll get into it because it's sinister it, i want to get more towards that when i talk about like my favorite yeah. scene and all that but yeah. I, it, he is a really compelling character i just think it the characters are done really well like i love colette i think colette's really interesting yeah. all of the chefs this is a situation where the other chefs don't get a lot of character no but they they fill their role and you feel like you understand them without yeah. necessarily needing that interaction and i think it's so interesting how they all leave at the end and they don't actually come back yes besides colette oh yeah they're She's just the comes back oh we should mention uh john rotzenberger in this oh, yes. movie plays the uh one the, of waiter. the waiters one of the waiters yeah and we do see a chase sequence in the middle where uh, Remy has got the documents that says Linguini is Gusto's son. Right. He's running away, trying to get that to yeah. him. Um, and I think I really like that towards the end of the movie, both main characters are wrong. Yeah. Linguini's wrong because he lets this fame and this you know, his superiority and, like, the fact that he's well-regarded get to his head because, yeah. you know, all he knows is just failure. Yep. So he gets all this success and he can't handle it. And Remy's in the wrong because he's jaded that, you know, Linguini's getting this and he, does, he doesn't well, personally get the recognition. He also, so he lets in the rats to eat all the yeah. food. And he also is very he won't let any of the other chefs do it you know help, what i mean he yeah, thinks he, he knows everything he knows he best he won't like let colette help him right. and then you get where linguini like he's he apologizes right away because he's yeah. like i'm sorry like i you know this is a lot to handle i'm right. sorry the last 30 minutes of the movie are so well they done. are it is very well done it's just like them you know colette you know coming to terms with you know anyone can cook Oh, you know, yeah. she, like, she's like, okay, I guess I can be on board, right. and, you know, and dealing with the food critic and serving him and just a bunch of rats in a kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot they do really well. Um, are you ready to get in? Because I have, my, by far my favorite scene is Ego eating the ratatouille yes. and, like, going back to his childhood, like, how yes. certain foods you eat, like, bring back memories. Yeah. Um, right. He, he remembers his mom, like, making it for him. Um, and then his review. Yes. If I were to pick two, that'd be my second yeah. favorite scene. I think it's just, it's so well done, and one of, my favorite quote is one of the ones from the review, is yeah. something he says in that. But my favorite scene, though, is the very end of the movie he has his restaurant you know it's just the music used there yeah. i love that song the way it builds and, you know he gets his restaurant you know he anton is investor and like right. goes there and serves him and kala and just all the unity and i just really like the way it all came together yeah. in the end and i like that it's not like a perfect ending because the right. restaurant does shut down yeah um, gusto, shuts gusto shuts down. down because of health violations obviously but it's not like the perfect ending but my so, favorite quote it's ego talking it's in his review it says in the past i have made no secret of my disdain for chef gusto's famous motto anyone can cook 
but I realize only now that I do truly understand what he meant. Not everyone can become a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere. I was gonna say that last yeah. that last sentence was my um, quote. Yeah. Not everyone can become a great artist, yeah. but a great artist. I mean can the come whole from review anywhere. is just really well. It's really, really well, well done. done. I just think it's really good. Uh did you have a favorite character? So I struggle between Remy, Linguini, and Colette. I think all three of them you could probably make a case for. I think so. Um at the end I ended up going with Linguini. I just think I I was gonna say I also literally chose about two seconds ago and I also picked yeah. Linguini. I think that he I I do like that he's not your typical like main Hero. character. Yeah, he's not the typical he's, he's like weird, he's nerdy, he's he's not awkward like, special. He's clumsy. He's not, there's nothing yeah. like really unique about him. But I think that like he's able to find himself. Right through it's kind of funny because it's through another character so right. it's also through colette it's through remy and through it's, colette but yeah and through ghost gusto right. technically yeah through his father but he's able to kind of find himself within that and he does i mean he gets he lets it get to him a little bit the fame but also he's never experienced that so and he's not like rude about it no he but immediately, he also yeah he, he apologizes he immediately and, like realizes his mistake yeah. and his wants to correct um, so it. i just like that his whole development yeah. and everything great movie Okay, now we get into Wally. Wally. So Wally was done in two thousand eight. It uh, was rated G, and it has a runtime of an hour and thirty nine minutes. And it had a uh, worldwide box office um, was five hundred twenty one million. Okay, so Wally has a ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. A 95 on Metacritic and an A rating. I also forgot to mention that uh, After Finding Nemo became the first animated um, movie to win, or Pixar movie to win the animated feature award. Mm -hmm. The Incredibles, Ratatouille, and Wally would also go on to win that award as well. Cars was nominated, but surprisingly did not win. Wow. (laughs) Wow. What a shock. So, summary, after hundreds of lonely years of doing what he was built for, the curious and lovable robot, Wally, discovers a new purpose in life when he meets a sleek robot named Eve. Join them in a hilarious cast of characters on a journey across the universe. I will say that I was not looking forward to watching this movie. As a kid, granted, I probably haven't seen this movie in ten years. I remembered it just being very, like, slow and boring. That's what I that's what I was going into it with. Was that your first thought? Yeah. So mine was that I don't remember the movie starting with a musical number and I felt like it was a little jarring. That was jarring. my second thought. It was weird. And I'll say I kind of had a similar thing where I I was kind of indifferent to Wally previously. Like yeah. I've, I've seen it and I I didn't remember didn't loving have strong it. Feelings I didn't about remember it. hating it just yeah. like it was a movie that existed. Um I relate to Wally watching two people in love and then just like holding his own hand. <laughs> like, I was like, that's me. So, Wally is probably the most conflicted I felt about a movie yeah. so far. I think the first, I think it's 35 minutes, are maybe the best 35 minutes Pixar's ever I done. I would agree. I think it's the way they convey his curiosity and the way he interacts with the world. With no it, actual speech. It felt a lot like Little Mermaid when yeah. she's learning about the human world and she's just, she can't talk, but she's so expressive yeah. and exploring. And I love the way he, his interactions with Eve and the way he mm-hmm. cares for her and their, you know, relationship growing and just the emptiness and the landscape. Yeah. We've I've said previously that Bugs Life, like, 
looked really bad. Yeah. In this one, like, the environments look amazing. I also, like, think this movie, especially now, like, it it hits hard. It hits hard, but... Like, and it came out in 2008, so yeah. that was, what, 12 years ago. Like, it, it's still very relevant, I feel like. So the thing is, is as good as that first part is, I just did not care about any of the robot subplot The problem at is all. the side characters and they introduced the humans, like, it, it's just... There's certain things I liked, but I think, to me, Wally is really about Wally and Eve. Yeah. I and just, their interactions. I just, like, there's... The fact that it's, like, robots are taking over humans. Like, that's not right. a new concept. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's like, been done. Clearly, I care about the environment, and that is a subplot that should work, but I just, like, I don't care. Yeah. You know, like, I they don't... They don't, because I don't think they really make you necessarily care about it. To me, it feels more like a love story than it should feel more like a, this is what, this is the consequences right. like of actions. I feel like it's shifts where, like, the first part of the movie is the love story, and the second part, that's just a side plot that right. exists in this grander scheme, but it's just, I um, don't feel like I cared. Yeah, I will say, like, the thing I thought they did the best after they, besides the first 30 minutes, was, like, the space scene. The scene where they're flying around in space. Yeah, I thought that was really d well done. Um, there was also a, a, a chase scene where the robots are chasing them yeah. somewhere in the middle of the movie. I did think the one thing I somewhat liked is the concept of being, like, so sucked into technology that you don't even realize what, what's happening around you. Right. It is still relevant. Still um, relevant. E pro probably more so more than so it was than probably in was. 2008. Yeah. Um, there's a lady, one of the main characters. Oh, and, uh, yes. John Ratzenberg plays, I think his name is John... You I know. did write that it didn't really have a lot of memorable side characters for me. Yeah. Um, I, like, didn't really care about the other robots Yeah, so much. I think it was meant to be a simplistic movie with, like, complex Yeah, it's um, just, it's hard because ideas, I, I really liked the first yeah, part. I was, was so really engaged. I didn't even look at my phone or look yeah. at my, I barely, like, other than taking notes, I didn't look away from the screen for, like, yeah. at least 35 minutes. I wasn't expecting to right, be as entertained. And like there's such there was basically no dialogue either. Yeah. I there was a part when they were inside Wally's little like place where he has all of his stuff he finds. It was really cute. He kept like handing her like stuff, and she kept like sol she solved the Rubik's I was cube gonna and all say, this. It was really yeah. cute. I thought. Um. Also, there was a part where she was holding an egg beater. Yep. <laughs> it gave she... me chills because. Oh. I had a mishap when I was a child where I got <laughs> an electric egg beater. Like my hair got stuck in it, and the a beater oh part God. went all the way up to my scalp and like my God. hair was tangled in it it was horrible it took like an hour to get my hair out you know that is something i thought of when i saw yeah. that so that like gave me chills thinking about that i'll just tie this into what i think the best scenes are the one i i have a like a two-parter because mm -hmm. they're kind of shorter one is where he's showing eve everything yeah you're just talking about like the video and i've i discovered because i had thought that the musical was hello dolly but the musical yeah. is hello dolly okay in case you were not aware of that. um i did like the spaceship the but scene outside with the, the other extinguisher the other favorite scene was yeah. when they're flying in space it was and just cute it's the visuals and the music yeah the the song that played during that was really well done um i think my favorite line the captain goes which means it's our 700th anniversary of our five-year cruise yeah I, like, I like that I, I had a really hard time coming up with a quote so I picked one that I felt was really relevant and you kind of touched on it with the being absorbed 
shift in the in um, technology interior technology and also right now having you know being in the middle of pandemic is where the one guy's like what do you want to do and the other guy's like i don't know something yeah because it's yeah like, i just think it, it did like this movie kind of did strike me as relevant in, in the time that we're in right now right so there was like those moments i just think the first half of the movie was done a lot better than the second half i wish it could be as good as the first half was so solid I um i think my favorite character was probably wally i was gonna say wally he just is very like likable he's he's naive he doesn't really know he's had this idea of what love is basically through watching a, a movie a and musical. he's he's so expressive yeah. and so curious oh um and just so the person who plays wally is ben burt okay who's responsible for the sound of r2d2 okay from star wars that he makes also sense. did other he's done other work sound work but he did r2d2 okay for star that wars. would make sense i just know i did look up that i saw hey, there's that. that lucas uh george lucas connection there we go. star wars connection um again. yeah so i mean i think that I definitely appreciate it more as an adult. I do too. But I also just think that they they didn't execute it in the way I wish they would have. I think I'm the same where it's now it's not so much that I just don't have really opinion on it. It's I have mixed opinions right. because it's it's in some ways amazing and in some ways just like not there's just not a lot there. What I want it to be. Yeah, I agree. Okay. All right. Now we move on to up up was released in 2009 yep it has a rating of pg the second movie after the incredibles to have a pg Um, rating and it it ran for an hour and 36 minutes okay box office worldwide is 735 million which actually was the highest since finding nemo okay up has a rotten tomato score of 98 percent a metacritic score of 88 out of 100 and a cinema score of a plus Little summary, retired balloon salesman Carl Fredrickson, part rascal and part dreamer, takes to the sky by trying, by tying thousands of balloons to the house. Unbeknownst to Carl, a young wilderness explorer named Russell becomes an unexpected stowaway on the journey they never expected. So, Up was also nominated for the Best Animated Feature and won that category, okay. but it was also the first Pixar movie nominated for Best Picture. Okay. In general. The second animated movie after Beauty and the Beast to be nominated. Okay. That's interesting. Um, first thought... Well, <laughs> actually, my first thought wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, so, the beginning of the movie, Carl's like a kid. He's watching mm-hmm. a black and white film yes. movie. And I just thought, when I was a kid, I thought, like, that people like lived in black and white like i thought because they watched films in black and white that meant like when they went outside it was like they saw black and white i forgot about that yeah and then obviously my right after that i just like knew that opening montage was coming and i was like emotionally preparing myself so i my first thought was about how carl and ellie interacting as kids was like they're so passionate yeah and have this shared common bond it was just really cute to see that connection form yeah but then we get to it it's yeah. arguably the saddest it's i think the best montage the best pixar montage yeah i would agree with again also no, uh, michael no. did the music again okay. for up to no surprise another great soundtrack yeah i like that you feel so much emotion without having to hear a single word spoken the whole scene takes place in less than 5 minutes yeah. and it's an entire life it's their entire life 
in like four and a half minutes and it's it's not it's not it doesn't feel like it's fast forwarding through their life it's literally you feel like you've grown up and you, you know see I mean? the life see stages you know where they find out they can't have yeah. children and where she you know gets injured and sick and is in the yeah. hospital and it's just their whole life of the worst part i think is when you watch her tie his ties every single day yeah. and then when he goes to visit her in the hospital she touches his bow tie yeah because she notices you know he doesn't can't tie right. a tie because, because she always did it always for him it. and from that point on in the movie you only see him in bow ties yeah um and i think it's just it's such a beautiful montage basically that they've had this this whole time they've been dreaming of going on this vacation and going to paradise falls and it's like such a reminder that life just gets in the way yeah um you see them they have this piggy bank like jar of money and they keep having to crack it open because they have to fix a car fix a roof or whatever right the music the changes in music to convey the feelings after they found the can of kids and you just see her just like sitting on this chair feeling and you can just like she doesn't even have expression really she's just like like, she's just like no she's yeah and it's just the way that they were able to do convey the feelings and the emotions that these this couple went through throughout yeah. this entire life from childhood to you know to ellie's death is yeah. just it's heavy yeah it, it, this movie actually is really there's a lot of really heavy elements it's um, yeah it's a it's even with pretty... russell like basically his dad's like not around he doesn't he lives with i think it's like a foster mom i'm not really i'm sure. not sure if it's is that his real mom no because he said um there was a line where well he i know he said, said phyllis isn't my mom but i just assumed that meant that oh. his dad remarried oh it could be i'm not really sure they don't really explain it but basically yeah. his dad's not around i yeah my interpretation was that it was his dad remarried his mom i got remarried and then and then he basically basically like, stopped left, spending time okay. with him it could be but it could also be that as yeah, well. Yeah, I didn't know if it yeah. was like a foster. But essentially, he doesn't really have like a support system, a parental yeah. figure. One of the things that I kind of wrote about was I liked how you get to see the development of like Russell seeing Carl as like someone he can look up to and right. like a a figure, like a father figure. And Carl never got to have kids. And also Carl getting to have that opportunity to be that support system right. for the kids they could never have. Right. He never got the chance to do right. that. So they both kind of get a chance to experience something they've never really got to experience. Right. Um, so I really I really did enjoy that. I hate the part where he hits the construction worker. Yeah, that's really depressing. It's it's so understandable. Yeah. On both sides, you know, the fact that they're like, we have to take your home away from you and yeah. you need to go to a senior center because you just bludgeoned this man and he's right. bleeding. You see him bleeding from and the they head. they call him like a public menace. But on the other hand, it's like he's just trying to live his life and they're yeah. trying to take his house. And I mean, the, and... Way, the way I looked at it too is like that's his, his whole life with his right. wife who had passed away is spent in the house and now they're basically trying to tear it down to build like a Take away city. all he knows, I know. So it's just... Um, and they back into his mailbox, which him and his wife made together. Right. Like, it's just a lot of sentimental stuff yeah, for him. so it's just hard to to see that yeah um you you see you see it in his face like immediately he feels bad and he's like oh yeah i shouldn't have done that yeah it's it's really like and the guilt the whole thing to me was just really heartbreaking um i think that chart what's his name charles munts who is like the 
explorer. explorer who Carl looks up to as a kid. Right. I do like the idea of having someone you look up to, like, don't meet your heroes. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. he ends up basically becoming the villain of the movie. Also, the first, again, kind of like Finding Nemo, the first 30 minutes of this movie are so packed yeah. with context and events and things that happen. Yeah. Like, we... we leave like we're already out of the city and on the way to paradise falls within 30 right. minutes of the movie and they get there pretty quickly like yeah. they're across the i don't know ravine or whatever it is from it but um i didn't understand how old charles was i was confused on Carl that as well was like 12 10 or 11 and charles was probably like in his 20 25 yeah I'm like carl's gotta be like so 70s 80s i would say maybe he's 70s so carl's or so charles is like 80 80s something? i mean because there are 90 year olds who still um he also has murdered like more than 10 people probably this is by far the strangest cast of characters of any movie yeah you've got a bird named kevin you've got talking dogs yeah and you've got this crazy old explorer who's been killing people just, like, living his life in Paradise Falls, murdering people over a bird. And he just, like, never left. He's just yeah. stayed there the entire time. Um, it, it, I don't know. I, I felt like the side characters at times, I didn't think the humor was that great. <laughs> in some, in some aspects. In so, I liked Doug in small doses. Yeah. I also, I just think I more appreciated the relationship between Russell and Carl. I think that's the real in the, heart the Carl and Ellie story, like yes, for me, there was a part where they were flying up in the air, mm-hmm. and there was a storm. Yes, um, I literally it's my worst nightmare. It also reminded <laughs> me when we were flying back from California. Oh my god! And yeah. the lady sitting, I was like probably fif- fourteen or fifteen. You would have been. I was eighteen. So okay. you were so like you've been sixteen. Yeah. Um, sitting on the plane, the lady next to me. Like, we're coming through the clouds, and the sun's coming through, and this lady thinks it's lightning, and she's like, oh my god, the plane's gonna go down, like, this is horrible, and I'm, like, sitting there as a 16-year-old, like, horrified, I didn't want to fly anyways, I'm, like, freaking out, um, but that's all I could think about during that scene, but I just, I don't know, I think, to me, the, the real heart of the story is Carl's so fixated on possessions mm-hmm. on uh, material things because he doesn't have his wife that's right. all he has left of her is is the house right. is the things inside and then at the end of the movie he's able to like let go of the house right he's able to let go and realize that he needs to live to a to adventure and to have experience. a life because and I, I do like one of the things i liked was um ellie has this book yep this, i that's that's uh, my favorite quote comes through. You want to save that then? We can save yeah. that. Um, let me see if there's anything else I had. Carl should have broken his hip multiple times. He fell so many times. I'm just saying. He um, should have broken his hips or his <laughs> legs or rib. Yeah. Uh, the old man fighting should have. He's no way yeah. he could run. That's why I think he has to be somewhat younger because there's yeah, no way he could what run. Saying. That was pretty much it, I guess. I was for... going to say, yeah, there's not too much like oh. story. I did research. I wondered okay. how many balloons they used. Yeah. Also, I I wrote a note about this, but kind of it just had to throw logic out the window because there's no way you could uproot a house from the yes. from its foundation and also fly with enough helium to yeah. get to South America. Sometimes you just have to use your imagination. I suspended um, belief, but yeah. they the people who created up revealed that there was ten thousand two hundred ninety seven balloons. Okay, which 
There's no way Carl could have blown up that many balloons in, in one, one night. In one night, no. <laughs> so, what, uh, what would you say was the best character in this movie? Um, I had to go with Carl. I did as well. I think people can relate to him, and you can't help but feel for him. Like, he's not even that unlikable. He's not, like, the old, like, really cranky man. Like, he's funny. Right. Like, he's, he's got really sarcastic comments. He's funny, yeah. Um, and, and he's obviously, like, he's lost his wife. He's, like, he doesn't have kids. I was like, gonna say, he's grieving. He doesn't have a support yeah. system. Um, so, yeah. you just, like, can't help but feel for him. Right. Yeah, I also picked Carl as well, because I think it's just, like, even if you're, like, I mean, clearly we're not elderly, but... You can relate to so many things about the way he feels and the way he see things mm-hmm. and, you know, being able to let Russell in yeah. after, you know, denying him and being, you know, sarcastic and kind of right. mean to him, but learns to be there for yeah. him. Favorite quote was actually different than my favorite scene. Uh, it was actually something Russell had said. Okay. He was talking about his dad and, like, how they used to, like, go get ice cream and all this stuff. And yeah. He said something, he said, that might sound boring, but I think the boring stuff might be the stuff I remember the most. Yes. Which I feel like is really fitting, because when you think back, like, I feel like a lot of the stuff I remember is, like, such random, not, like, hugely adventurous things, just, like, random stuff. Trivial Um, things. And I also really like the callback to when he said we would go get ice cream from this place at the end of the movie. He, like, him and Carl go get ice cream, and he does his badge and all that. And the counting, like, the cars. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So I like that. I liked that as well. Yeah, so best scene I picked was that married life sequence. Yeah. But the quote I picked from what you're talking about when he sees the book, mm-hmm. goes back in the house after uh, it's on fire, you know, and yeah. he is looking at their adventure book and he sees that she's added photos yeah. from their life, their their wedding and, mm-hmm. you know, their life and every, their jobs and just them living life. And at the end of it, it says, thanks for the adventure. Now go have a new one. Yeah, it's like I'm like getting teary eyed thinking about it. It's just like it was just um, I it's think so heartwarming. That was actually so that was my favorite scene because I technically okay. I mean the the opening montage of course, but I think there's something about like he always felt like he didn't give Ellie an adventure because right. he didn't get to take her to Paradise Falls. He didn't. They didn't get to like right. travel. But she was set. She like their life was. Yeah, her and adventure. she always thought of their greatest adventure being like their life together. And I think yeah. like him real. He had never seen that part of the book. He had he, never looked past I the say, stuff I want to do. He had to come to terms yeah. with that because in his mind it was their adventure was we have to go to yeah. Paradise he, Falls. He felt like he let her down. He yeah. um and I think like. Just that that idea that sometimes the greatest adventures are just, like, the simple things. Like, just right. having a, a life together. Um, so, I really liked that. I thought that was just, like, a really touching thing. Yeah, I really liked that scene um, as well. Yeah, I think I think Up is... Uh, it's obviously a really emotional movie. It's it's very heavy. Yeah, there's it's, a lot uh, of subject matter in it that's really, like... I mean, adult. even, like, having to go to a nursing home. Like, it's, it's just, like, it's, you know, it's com- complex stuff. Um, but I think... Some of the side characters for me just, like, aren't that memorable. I think the real bond is, like, Russell and Carl and then Carl and, like, Ellie's life. I would say that's, like, the main thing. Coming to terms with, like, loss and grief and moving on and just, like, the... I think the thematic elements are done very well. Like, the themes and what the characters learn. But, yeah, I agree the story, once they get to Paradise Falls, is kind of lacking. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're gonna end with that. Yes. Um, we will be watching and recording the rest of the discussion and then getting into rankings. And we'll be coming back to you with, we'll have to contain ourselves with Cars 2. Um, it's gonna be, 
I mean, I just am already dreading it. It's either going to be the longest or the shortest movie discussion. Yeah, probably longest because I'm just ready <laughs> to totally roast it. Um, yeah. Are you ready to experience the joy that is Mater? No, because I hate Mater. spy thriller? Absolutely not. I am also dreading it. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's what we have to look forward to in life. We have to look forward to a car Michael Caine yep. talking to us. Can I just pretend he's Nigel Powers? Sure. If, if that's what helps you get through it, then sure. Yeah. If there's two things I hate in light, it's people who are intolerant of other people's <laughs> cultures and the Dutch. The Dutch. We would like to thank Joseph McDade for our intro music. He provides free music available for all kinds of creative use. The song that we used is called Sunrise Expedition, and you can find it and his other music on his website, josephmcdade.com. If you would like to find us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram by searching research rank repeat.